We heard Jesus say in our gospel reading today, whoever has ears ought to hear. And sometimes we just come to Mass and it's just, we're just distracted. Our minds are kind of all over the place and sometimes we don't see and we just kind of leave and we just say, I have no idea what just happened. But the Blessed Mother is our greatest intercessor and she helps us to hear and to listen to her son Jesus. So please join me in a Hail Mary as we ask her to help us to see and hear Jesus today as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Well, this is my last 11 o'clock Mass with you all, and as I've been reflecting upon my past three years here, you know, a lot has happened. Um, you know, I was kind of going back and just going from now until when I first got here, and just looking at how Father Matt and I had to learn how to do this whole, you know, YouTube and technology um, basis of the faith and learn how to stay connected with people, writing letters, and just kind of learning on the fly, totally on the fly, and figuring how can we let them know we still love them? How can we let them know we still care for them? And then, you know, getting ready for, for, the, for the school year, looking at the school years and someone after Mass, the last Mass, they just said, do you remember when you did the, the Lent challenge? And I said, I totally forgot about that. We did a challenge to help people encounter the Lord as a Lenten penance one of the years. Um, also, it's looking at the transition of, of having, when Father Matt got here, his first year of being here, having this altar consecrated. Maybe you were there for that Mass, you remember that. Or maybe um, you remember having Father Ubald come here, or Father... I forget the other guy's name every time. Um, But we had the healing masses here and seeing the gift of healing and seeing people delivered from evil, seeing people have maybe a smile on their face for the first time in many years. And, you know, even looking back before even I got here, um, there was already seeds planted to start an adoration chapel. And, And by God's grace, we accepted the challenge and we were able to start an adoration chapel. And when I first got here also, only St. John's out of the three parishes had a, a, um, a website of all things. You'd think it'd be kind of a thing by now, but there were people saying, Father, we know we need this. You know, we know we need this. And I've been reflecting on that, and I also just want to say, you know, in my time here, it's been really a blessing moving from one pastor to the other, having Father Matt come here. Because one thing as a newly ordained priest is you need support. It's like, it's like a new marriage when you get ordained, and you just need that support. Um, and I'll always remember just a lot of the lessons Father Matt has taught me, but also just the simple isms um, that you'll probably remember hearing when I speak them in just a second, and hearing him thing, say things like, no problem, no problem, right? Sure. And uh, also listening to him um, you know, speak little isms to, to keep things in perspective, like saying things like, don't make a mountain out of a molehill, or um, it doesn't change the price of tea in China, so we're not going to worry about that. You know, and those, those little isms. Um, but that helped me soften my heart to prepare for, for um, my next assignment, which I'll speak about in a second. But as I reflect on my time here, that this the one memory that still stands out the most was my first year here, and it was during Confirmation. And Bishop Ricken, our bishop, who just ordained two men priests this week, he spoke to our confirmation students, and in the middle of his homily, he stopped for five seconds. And he looked out at the boys, and he said, four of you are called to be priests. And 
And after five more seconds of pausing, he just went straight to the rest of his homily. And I bring that up because in our gospel reading today, we hear about the, the sower and the seed. We hear about different types of soil. And obviously our bishop sees something we don't see, and he hears something we don't hear because he believes that, that Anago and Langley County, there are a lot of vocations waiting to give birth to, to, to open their hearts to. And he sees something we don't see. But let's just be honest. Where are all our confirmation students? The statistics in the church right now are by the age of 23, 80% of them will no longer associate themselves with any type of Christianity. They are totally gone. 80%. And that's why Bishop's sending me to the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh because we can't have those numbers anymore, but also because that's where a lot of people encounter the Lord and feel the call to be a priest or a religious sister. And that's what Bishop wants me to do, is, is help us find those ones that are falling totally away, but the Lord is calling to be a priest, and the Lord is calling to be a religious sister. Because it would seem, and maybe I'm wrong, but it would seem that when we look at this, at this gospel reading, it's pretty obvious where a lot of us or a lot of our confirmation students are at. You know, we hear about some seed being sown on a path and just birds come and eat it up. That's like a lot of people. They just don't get it. It just takes one little frustration and they're out. And then we hear about some seed being sown on rocky ground. And that's people who, who hear the word, they receive it at once, but they have no roots. They're not rooted in the word. They're not rooted in the sacraments. They're not rooted in our faith. Or some people, like when they have like a trial or a tribulation, or like when the word of God challenges them on the moral life of the church, they are out. They are totally gone because they're challenged. Or some people, when they have like worldly anxiety or the lure of riches, thinking, if I get that car, if I get that house, if I get that iPhone or whatever the thing is, then I'll be happy. But those things actually choke the life out of the seed that Christ wants to give you, which is true life itself. But then there's this soil that is this rich soil. And I believe what the Lord wants us to do is to continue to, so to, to till the soil with the beauty of the traditions in our Catholic faith. And one of the, the beauty, beautiful traditions in our church um, that I learned about when I first started opening my heart to the call to the priesthood was the traditions that, that only priests are open to and their families are open to and availed to by the grace of God. And I want to share those with you. And specifically, I want to speak to parents who are here and grandparents who are here who have children and, and grandchildren. And I want to encourage you to really pray for your children's vocation. Because when I started learning about the tradition I'm going to tell you about in just a second, I was just like at awe. Like once I felt called to be a priest, you know, I ran away and I got into all the stuff that the Lord says not to and it just felt so empty and there was not peace in my soul. And then I started learning about the priesthood and I started learning about these different traditions and I was like, that's so beautiful. How many of our people sitting in the pews know about these things? And the tradition I want to tell you about is like at an or, is what happens at an ordination and what a priest is able to do at his first Mass. Not every priest will do this, but I did do it, and I just found it to be so life-giving and fruitful and brought more hope to my family. When I was ordained a priest, uh, one, a part of the ritual is that the bishop will take a chrism oil and he'll take it and rub it all over your hands, and he'll say a prayer of blessing to consecrate your hands so you can confect the Eucharist and absolve sins. But once he's done doing the prayer and your hands are literally dripping with chrism oil, 
he takes uh, a towel, which is called a manaturgium. It looks kind of like this, but it's a little bit longer, actually. And the, the word is, is Latin, and it comes from mani. So for those who've had a manicure, you know it's for your hands. And turge means to wash, so you get the word manaturgium. And your hands are wrapped in that towel, that manaturgium. And at the, the first mass of the priest, which is called a mass of thanksgiving, where you thank the people who supported you, uh, what I did in my particular first Mass is I came down the aisle in a cope. I was not wearing my chasuble or a stole. Um, I knelt at the front of the altar, and my parents put my stole on me. They put my chasuble on me, and they prayed over me and gave me away. And after the Eucharistic liturgy and after um, just little, th- little things Thanksgiving, I was able to tell my parents, thank you so much for supporting me on this journey. And my particular manaturgium that I had made was made out of my mom's wedding dress. And on one end was my parents' wedding anniversary, and on the other end was my ordination date. And I put that in a box, and I gave it to my mom, and I said, thank you so much for supporting me. Because she was a big part of my journey, because she was born and raised Lutheran. She was never told about celibacy and how it's a gift to the church so men can fully give themselves back to God and help those encounter Jesus who are not able to. And when she dies, she will come down into the church in a casket and she will not have a rosary in her hand like most people do. Her hands will be wrapped in the menaturgium to say, Jesus... I gave you a priest. I gave you a priest who confected the Eucharist, who fed people with the body and blood of Jesus. It's just beautiful. And at my ordination, like right after ordination, um, I had a friend and he said, can, can I be the first one to go to confession to you? I said, absolutely. And after he went to confession, um, that automatically blessed my stole. And at that first Mass that I had the next day, I had my confessional stole in a nice box, just like the, the manaturgium, and that I gave to my dad to say, thank you for not quitting on me. When I was into all sorts of nastiness, all sorts of deep sin, debauchery, stuff that would make your heads turn and make you think, no way could he ever be a priest. My dad didn't quit on me. And he gave me a good example of what a man of God looks like even when he didn't think he was making a difference. And at that first Mass, I thanked him and I gave him the box with my confessional stole in it. And when he dies, he will come down in his casket and his hands will be wrapped in that confessional stole. To say, Jesus, I gave you a priest who forgave sins, who was able to anoint people when they're on their deathbed or when they're sick and scared. And it's a way of God showing that he will take care of the families of those who have sons, who are priests, or even for religious sisters, God will bless them. God will always provide and bless them. And that richness, my friends, that beauty leads to deep soil to know that the Lord will bless your family abundantly. And our bishop, when he said those words, four of you are called to be priests, I know there's more here. 
I know that some of the people probably even sitting in these pews today have thought about, what if God is really calling me to be a priest? Yesterday, we had two at Mass that were dis- are discerning for our parish. You all don't know them. But Father Matt and I do. And we pray for them. We try to guide them and encourage them to open their hearts to this beauty and this rich tradition so they can find the love of Jesus and share that love with others. And if you doubt that God could call you, I've been there before, but if God can call me, he can call anyone. When I first felt called, I barely knew how to pray a Hail Mary, a Glory Be, or an Our Father. And I was confirmed. I was 20. I was going through the motions. I did what I was trained to do that most, most guys do. I, I just, all I knew how to do was what I, tra- I was trained to do. Play sports, go party, and look for girls. But never was I trained to follow the Lord deeply with rich soil to allow his love to transform my life. But when I learned about these beautiful traditions, about the, the stole and the menaturgium, the beauty transformed my heart. And I, can, I always go back to that moment of when I felt called to be a priest you know, when I was at Mass and, and, the, and the priest was holding up the Eucharist, which I always thought was like a symbol. I never thought it was really Jesus. It just didn't click in my head. But when the priest was holding up Jesus, I heard the words, this is my body. And my heart was a lot like the soil we hear about in our gospel today. It was like that hard, stony, hard, hard, stony soil, right? And the Lord completely shattered the crap out of my heart. And I never felt more loved in my life. And just shortly after that, as the priest is offering Jesus to the Father, shortly after that, in my heart, not out loud, but in my heart, I heard the words from God, this is the purpose of life, and you are called to be a priest. And I I was just crying, snot bubbles and all. But... The Lord loved me enough to let me go back to that old, junky, crappy soil that I was going back to all the time. And he just kind of said, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired yet? And he loved me enough to let me to taste that bitter fruit. And now he's allowed me to open my heart more. And, and, and through, through seminary, it was just a healing process. And the only way I think the Lord could heal me of my brokenness was to bring me to seminary, just as we heard in the gospel today from the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, you know, and I heal them. And there's so much brokenness in our world today from people going and remaining in just very weed, weed-saturated soil or living on that rocky ground. And the Lord wants to break through all of that. And he wants to reveal his beauty. And beauty will indeed save the church. And our bishop has given us a mission, a challenge, through a whole diocese that by the, by the year 2025, he wants 30 men in the seminary. I think right now we have 12 or 10. So we've got our work to do. We have a mission. And we've got to pray and ask the Lord to reveal who's called in our parishes. And we need to pray every single day because your prayers make a difference. Because as soon as that seed of a vocation is planted in the heart of a man or in the heart of a woman, if, he's, if the man is called to be a priest or the woman's called to be a sister, immediately, immediately, the devil starts at, coming after that person to say, doubt, never you. You're too dirty. You're too gross. You've done horrible things. God could never love a sinner like you. You are not worthy. And then he comes at them with shame and guilt 
and makes them lazy and sends lust after them. But what combats that is your prayers to protect those vocations. And my friends, what unites us is far greater than what divides us. Yes, I'll be moving to Oshkosh and Father Matt will be moving to Green Bay. We will be separated. Maybe even feel divided for a while. But what unites us is the Eucharist. And every time that I hold up the Eucharist or Father Matt holds up Jesus in the Eucharist, we will be thinking of you. We will miss you. We will love you. And we'll be praying that more men and women open their hearts to the call. But know that every time that Jesus is lifted up, we are looking at the same Jesus. We are mystically united through the body of Jesus. Mystically united. And I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be your priest for the past three years. Made a lot of mistakes and I've learned a lot, but thank you for supporting me and encouraging me and not quitting on me. But now we have a new mission. We have to get the mission forward to get guys in the seminary and help women discern the call to the priesthood. We can't live with those numbers of 80% of our confirmandi falling away by the age of 23. We just can't do it. We won't have a church. But if you want these churches to remain open, if you want these churches to remain open forever, it's vocations. Why would a bishop ever shut down a church where more men and women are, women are going to the convent or men are going to the seminary? Why would he ever shut that down? And I know there's more here because, again, if God can call me, he's calling. All he asks is that you open your heart. But the, the parish has to support that mission. So as we celebrate every Mass and as we move forward and Father Joel comes in and Father Callistus comes in, as the, the Eucharist is lifted up, say a prayer for me and Father Matt, but also say a prayer for more men and women to answer the call. And know that we will be thinking about you. We'll definitely miss you. We love you. We're not separated. We're mystically united in the body and blood of Jesus. Amen.